Welcome to another episode of The Convo. I've got a special guest today, Gabriela, also known as Gab's Away on Instagram. Um, she is an incredible, incredible person, very well-traveled, cool entrepreneur, writer, <laughs> connector, foodie. What else? Am I missing anything? Uh, no, I think that covers it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, I want to start off by saying thank you to, to Sienna, actually, because that was how in Las, Mo Las Morenas de España, that was how I saw, saw you and started following you. And I was like, man, who is this young lady? Like, she's incredible. So, <laughs> um, so as I've, I've been paying attention to a lot of what's, uh, what you've been posting and the content that you've been creating, and it's super relevant to uh, to, to this podcast and what we're having discussions on here about what's happening in the United States and, and globally and race relations and, and all mm -hmm. of these things. And so um, first, if you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey, we would, we would love to, to hear that. <laughs> sure. So my name is Gabriela and I was born in Ecuador and after Latina and um you know shout out to black latinos we're here <laughs> it's not just jlo <laughs> um and i currently live in barcelona spain i've actually grew up in spain from the ages of three to ten or so and then i moved to canada hence my north american accent i was there for about 10 or about 10 11 years or so um, and then I moved back to Europe where I just spent a lot of time traveling. Um, I lived and worked in Germany and in Miami, and I've been settled here in Barcelona since 2016. Wow. Incredible. So you've been all <laughs> over, literally all over. <laughs> a lot Which, of places missing. <laughs> do you, do you have a, a favorite place that you've either lived or traveled so far uh traveled to would be hard to say um because i love everything i love the mountain i love the beach i i love too many things but i think for living i think i really found my stride in barcelona this is wow. has definitely been my favorite city to live in so far very cool that's that's <laughs> actually number two on my list of favorite um cities in spain granada is number one then barcelona uh, yeah but I love, granada I is love just barcelona. a whole other oh my god a whole other beauty exactly well cool um one of the, the kind of the next things i wanted to get into what i've just been so attracted to about you is the the fact that you are so passionate about many things one of those that, <laughs> that you know um but you know, I strongly believe we're kind of attracted to people who reflect things that we love about ourselves. And so mm -hmm. what came up for me um, in reference to you is like, I see your passion for people and connecting and travel and food. Um, and then ultimately this willingness to love people who are often pushed away or, or people that are different. Uh, yeah. What is that? What is that? Tell me. <laughs> That, I, I mean, that's, that's almost the whole reason I got you on this call. I'm like, what is that? What is driving <laughs> this? Um, I think it's a lot based on my own experiences as, you know, being the outsider for all of my life. Hmm. Um, when I moved to Madrid, I was the only person of color in my school. You know, a lot of my friends now, a lot of American expats, they're like, oh, no, Madrid's so white. And I'm like, you have no idea. That <laughs> is, you have no idea what that shit was like in the 90s. That was a whole other thing. It like, was white, white. <laughs> it, it was, yeah, it was translucent white. Like, wow. I remember, you know, my where I was born, Esmeraldas, is primarily black. Like, yep. most people are black. So it's, you know, it's the you know, the, the blackest region in Ecuador. Mm. And so when I moved to Madrid and I went to school, I distinctly remember asking everyone if they were related. <laughs> wow. I, 
I know. I am in kindergarten being like, are you guys related? Oh. Are you guys related? <laughs> are you two related? Brother and sister. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it was, you know, I had no concept of this. I thought, every, you know, they all was like, oh, they look alike. Okay, cool. And my mom told me how, you know, if I saw a black woman, like, anywhere, I used to go up to her and run to her and, like, hug her. I think she was one of my own. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I kind of still do that, honestly. <laughs> right? You like, your first thing is like, oh, shit, hey. <laughs> I, I do that. It's funny. And I, I live in, in El Ajito, and there's, like, a ton of North African people from yeah. different countries. And... um I'm I'm always that awkward guy that says hi to everybody, literally because yeah. they're black, and then they don't say hi back to me. So yeah, I'm, they're I'm, like, uh, we don't. It's like you know, you're, you're not. Us. Yeah, you know, I'm like, hey, well, <laughs> it works in the United States, and we see, yeah, you know, right. somebody. <laughs> How you doing, brother? I understand this. Problem. Yes. Yeah. Right. Doing? Yeah. No. It, it like it's one of those things in the diaspora. It doesn't always. Uh, there's certain things that are not international yep. global doesn't translate like i thought it would <laughs> i i feel you that way yes i've been there um but yeah it's just i think that just um i always been you know like in support of the underdog or the one who felt left out because i was often the one left out not only was the only personal color but then i remember Moving to Canada, I went to several different schools. I moved a lot. And, you know, it's always being the odd one out. And it wasn't just, you know, on a race level. It was also, like, my personal ideologies and politics. I come from a quite a very progressive family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I grew up where at the dinner table, we would talk about anything and everything, politics, religion, uh, you know, all the things that I learned that in North America, you're not supposed to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, I was like, well, what do you mean? That's just like what we talk about all the time. And it was just, um, so I was very outspoken in high school about any issue. You know, if I heard, you know, homophobia or sexism or whatever, I would say something and it would often, you know, start a thing. And, and it was, you know, that was just for me, like, I didn't like, anyone to feel shitty based on something that they could not fix about themselves you know and so that was like I have you know very compassionate parents and I think they passed that on to me and that's not to say in any way shape or form that I'm an angel (laughs) (laughs) because I have my moments but I think ideologically um, I am very drawn to communities that have historically been you know either oppressed or been left out of the conversations because I I know what that's like and and so that made me feel very um sympathetic and maybe even empathetic Mm to to a lot of different causes so like you said, I have way too many interests. <laughs> like I can't. No, I, I don't know. I can't. I just don't know. Like I think sometimes I find my cause, but then I'm like, ah, oh, no. I just everybody. <laughs> exactly. That's that's almost like like me in in business and people, you know, projects and just yeah stuff. I just love like new experiences and learning something different. And, yeah. And new Maybe people. Maybe we're just millennials. Countries. I don't know. It's just Maybe we're. Th- it's not enough for one thing. We just need to be involved in everything. <laughs> exactly. Well, well. Shout out to your parents, you know, as well. <laughs> Thank you to to them. You can tell them I said it uh, for creating <laughs> you and, and and creating, uh, you know, the foundation. So that's I love now. <laughs> I love it. So tell us more about uh, something else that I, I saw on your page and just kind of following you on Instagram, you are hosting events with Gab's yeah. Away. And often the topics of discussion are the things that people don't talk about at the dinner table. And that, that, that concept that you've created is incredible because it's bringing people together to have an experience around topics, around things that probably without you facilitating this, they would never have such an open conversation with someone, Mm -hmm. uh, at least with that amount of people. Um, 
And t- tell us how that came to be and, and mm-hmm. are you continuing that, you know, even with COVID? What's, what's your plans there? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, like everyone else, COVID has kind of uh, put a wrench in my plans. But no, I do have some, some upcoming stuff. So basically, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Tertulias. Uh, so Tertulias Madrileña specifically, they p- were popularized in the early 20th century. And they were gatherings of thinkers, professors, artists, you know, um, creatives who would have discussions about anything, philosophy and politics and art. And, and you know, similar to the Algonquin Roundtable in New York or the um, French salons of the 18th century in Paris and such. So, you know, um, my, you know, like I mentioned earlier, my family is just, you know, the kind of family that, you know, that's what we would do. And my father would actually often host some of that in his own home. I didn't remember this actually until I told him about what I was doing. He's like, that's what I did when you were little. Wow. You know, all those people at our house, that's what we were doing. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I just thought they liked to host parties. <laughs> right? That's where it comes from. I wasn't paying attention to what the adults were doing, clearly. That's cool. But, um, yeah, I remember, like, I just remember that feeling of, you know, I didn't understand a lot, obviously, because I was so young, but I remember just hearing, you know, my grandmother, my, my dad's side, uh, she was an incredible woman who, you know, she fought for the Spanish Republic and for the French resistance and had, wow. you know, all this amazing stories. Her husband, my grandfather was a politician, um, you know, who was exiled wow. um, from Spain. And so we have a very political family. And so we often talked about economics and politics and philosophy and stuff. And those are the kind of things that really helped shape my, my views, you know, um, and that is not to say that, you know, my parents and I have the exact same views, but definitely it helped me feel confident um, to express myself. Um, that's something I'm really grateful for. It helped me feel um, safe in saying, you know, well, what about this? Or, you know, asking questions. And when, you know, I think after the, the last few years have been, quite a ride I think politically on a global scale and there were just so many discussions that were being had online and I just didn't think I think we miss so much when we don't look at the person I think it's really easy to dehumanize people uh, on the internet and not see them as you know as humans and see the nuance um, or even hear the nuance because when, you know, we're writing and then we get emotional, we get excited. I don't think, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into it and we miss a lot of the conversation that could be had, you know, sometimes we don't even know where that person's really coming from. Um, and so I really wanted to create an opportunity for people to have these discussions in person. And for me, what brings people together is food. I think that is, you know, like what connects people. The act of, you know, and studies have shown that the act of sharing food with another person creates a bond. Yep. And I, um, you know, I love food. I love going out to eat. And I thought, well, isn't that the perfect thing to be able to collaborate with local culinary artists and, you know, local businesses um, because a lot of my audience are um, are made up of expats, and mm-hmm. so I want them to also just support local businesses, get to know um, other restaurants that are not just the popular, you know, ones to hang out at and meet other English-speaking people. I want them to know different um, places because, you know, like um, at the end of the day, like I'm such a spokesperson person for small businesses like yeah i think they especially for me in spain i grew up with small businesses i didn't grow up with chains you know mm-hmm. with these big chains like when in north america and canada that there's very few left and so for me it was so important to collaborate with them and so the idea is to create you know a very intimate events no more than 10 people maybe, maybe 10 10 or 12 um just so that the conversation can flow freely 
and I moderate a conversation through a series of questions. And I try to make sure that there are never debates because I'm not interested in numbers and things like that from this perspective. I try to provide as much information through research. I spend a lot of time researching every topic that I tackle beforehand and give people, you know, some information. But I try to tackle these issues through experiences because sometimes that's what we're missing. The numbers are easy to find, right? We have this data, it's, but it's not people. And sometimes yep. we're missing, you know, why is this person feeling so strongly about this? Or why does this, you know, and a lot of it has to do with our own cultural backgrounds and languages and things. So we have, you know, I've had people at my dinners whose third or fourth language was English, for example. Wow. And, you know, they come from different backgrounds, countries, religions, and that affects a lot of their experiences. So it's really important for me to address these issues through um, experiences as opposed to data. And not because I don't believe in data. I think it's incredibly important to be well-informed, but simply because, like I said, it is a different thing to hear someone say, you know, when I was growing up, you know, what I was taught was this, this, and that, and it really helped you know, it really shapes the way I view, for example, you know, my own sexuality. Like, it is so different to hear the experience of someone who's in their 60s, who grew up in North America, who didn't grow up around internet porn, for example, to talk about sexuality, than it is to read, you know, uh, you know, data on it. It's just exactly. such a different experience. Um, and I do, I, I, um, I do limit the dinners to, um, these are invitation only as in you, you can request an invitation. I ask a couple of questions and then you are given, you know, sent an invitation. So far I have not denied anyone, any invitation, Um, but it's just a way to filter out um, anyone who might just be a disruptor Mm -hmm. because while I'm all for conversation, I am not for people who just want to be the devil, play devil's advocate Exactly. I'm not here for people who want to invalidate others. I'm not here, you know, I'm not here for, if I'm having a sexual uh, a discussion about sexuality, I don't need a homophobic perspective. I don't need it. Exactly. They, they're given a platform. They have a platform. And my, my focus is really making it a safe space. And you know what? And I'm going to say in particular to, yes, people of color and queer people. Yep. And if that yep. person does not feel safe because someone else, you know, prejudices or bigotry is getting in the way, then, you know, they don't need to be there. It's that's the beauty of it. It's my own my space. I get to create the rules. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Just gratitude to you again for for creating that. I think even through these conversations that I've been having on this this platform, it's like, mm-hmm. Um, and even just from my experiences since being here in Spain, it's been eye-opening because it's <laughs> the it, it's the lack of experience that limits the 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 value in the conversations we can have. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's been very interesting to go back to the states and, and go and see <laughs> friends and and have conversations with. Uh, you know, with my best friends from, from the last 15, 20 years mm-hmm. and still see their perspective and yeah. my perspective and, and that big difference because, you know, I've yeah. been able to experience uh, Muslim cultures in predominantly Muslim countries and mm-hmm. and having friends from different countries and different cultures. And so it's... It's, it's an uh, eye-opener. Yeah. And that's I mean, exactly experience what, really is the best teacher. Exactly. And that's what you're, you're, you're creating, even 10 to 12 people at a time. That's just huge. Because then that, <laughs> goes, that goes out and, and people have had that conversation and they can start to create conversations uh, based on their experience. So it's, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that, is, that has been the best review for me, I think, when people tell me, like, oh, I went home and I continue the conversation with my partner or my family or whatever and I think like that's that's perfect that's exactly what I want (laughs) I love it what is your 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 almost your purpose not almost Uh. what is your purpose (laughs) my purpose I think my purpose is to 
create you know a positive ripple effect when it comes to understanding hmm. i think um you know the other day i made a video about how we need to we need to contextualize the conversations that we're having because you know i i've been listening a lot especially the last few months of everything that's happening reading a lot and listening a lot and you know as someone who has a lot of experience you know, i was also in the debate team i you of know course, obviously of i d- of course i because <laughs> i don't know how to not speak <laughs> i don't know how to not have an opinion um, you know, I, I did, you know, my father was very tough when it came to having discussions. He even, you know, and it wasn't about playing devil's advocate, but he would really challenge me to think about my opinions mm. and my perspectives. And, and then I've had my views challenged a lot as I was growing up and, you know, having all these different experiences as well. And I realized like when it comes to trying to understand other people, you know, sometimes we're trying so hard to feel understood ourselves that we don't make the effort to understand others. Oof. Oof. And... Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. And that's I think a that's... Bite. that's hot. <laughs> that's hot. <laughs> I think that's my main purpose. I want people to have conversations. I want people to speak to each other, not at each other, you know? So hopefully, hopefully that's, that's what it is. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I think even that's been just the motivation behind this, the, these conversations as well. And mm-hmm. encouraging people to reflect on that and see also like, hey, here's a couple of ways or here's some suggestions, even like we're having this conversation. You can uh-huh. go and have these conversations with other people and, and you know, educate yourself and have a different experience. That exactly. just bring, it, it brings people together, even if you, you think you have nothing in common. Like, I can... Oh, my God, it. yeah. Yeah, and you can find it something really, in common with everybody. You really do. And I, that has been one of the other things that I have loved about these events is that I will have someone from a completely different background and... Um, like two people from completely different backgrounds and they'll realize that they'll connect on something so hmm. that you might not even think about. Like, yep. I, I remember one of my, the sexuality ones, two people actually connected over their first um, experiences with um, like pleasuring themselves. Wow. And it was just like, they both looked at each other like, wait, you, I did this you same. too? I mean, the diaspora one, even, you know, it's one of the things we're talking about our traditions and our cultures and people from very different backgrounds being like, hey, in our family, we do this too. And we realize that a lot of, you know, there is so much beauty and diversity and, and in differences. Like I always say that I, I think it would be so boring for all the same, but finding out these yeah. similarities as well is such a beautiful thing because it makes us realize that like, just because we do things differently sometimes or we might view things differently doesn't mean that we don't also share the same values because when it comes down to it, it comes down to sharing values, you know, your values being your family and and your friends and, and, you know, uh, hopefully something positive, those things really bring people together. And I love seeing that, like the way people connect you know, when the way I think strangers connect, like my friends always say, I'm such a like networker, like connector, because yep. I'm always like, oh my god, I need to meet this person, I need to meet this person, just because uh, I I know certain people just will vibe. Yes. You know, and so uh. seeing it with my own eyes is just like, ah, yes, I've you know I've seen a lot of you know friendships being created over these events, and it's so cool to watch. I love that. I, I, that is that's 100% one of my best gifts and so then that that brings up another question how do we how do we scale that you know i am i am obsessed with with knowing other connectors with being a connector i literally have a facebook group called global connectors like, I love <laughs> like I'm, obs- I'm obsessed <laughs> with that and yeah and it's just something you know and and people can 
can figure it out, but you're also very similar um, mm-hmm. in that sense because, you know, people will ask me, well, who do you want to invite to this barbecue? And I literally think about, okay, who can talk to each other? Exactly. Who kind of throw off the entire mood? Or yep. we need to be more reserved around this person. Yes. No, you know, this is a different I type of party. I was always that person. You know? <laughs> I would have four, up until my mid-20s, I would have four different birthday parties. Wow. Yeah, because I was just like, I like when things vibe. And if they don't, it makes me uncomfortable. I'm someone who internalizes their surroundings, unfortunately. I'm very sensitive. So if someone's off not having a good time or something, I feel it. So I was like, you know what? I have friends that like like to go clubbing. Let's go clubbing with these people. I like friends who are more pub people. Let's go to pub. I like, you know, and it wasn't just about people pleasing. I do have that problem as well. But it wasn't so much about that. But it's like, I want to see people thriving in their environment. Exactly. You know, and I enjoy all of those environments. I wouldn't put myself in a in an environment that I didn't enjoy. So I was like, exactly. I, I enjoy pubs. I enjoy clubs. I enjoy the park. So yep. and I enjoy the movies. So let's do all of these things with all my different friends. And I love doing that. You know, like I loved having friends that like different things because I have one friend to go to a museum with, another one to go party with, and I, and I value all of them equally. It's just. Wow. you know for different things and i think that's so cool we're literally the the crafters of community you know <laughs> I, i've i've tried to do it no i have successfully done it twice mm-hmm. in in introducing people and and structuring their first dates and two people have actually two couples have actually gotten married oh uh, my god look at you You're oh like yeah expert yeah, level I, I didn't, I didn't get credit for this, but, um, but, but it was me, you know, don't, don't say it now. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> yeah. One of them we had, uh, people I went to college with and then, uh, ended up being in the same city as them when I went to law school, I only went for a year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's three years. So I didn't finish, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, so they were there and I knew mm-hmm. both of them individually. And I was like, Hey, y'all, y'all would kind of like, go well together and they were already kind of talking but it was this heavy influence of we went to a private christian college and mm-hmm. and so there was all these rules still and you know after what are the parents gonna think and i was like you know what i got us let's let's, <laughs> let's go to this, yeah let's go to this wine bar I'm going to be there. I'm going to be the glue, <laughs> bring a friend. So, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, I can distract the friend and, exactly. and y'all can talk. I was like, we're going to take some <laughs> shots. And then that literally, that literally turned out See, to be the, the best night ever. Like, I think at seriously. the end of the day, we're the true influencers. <laughs> I agree. These micro influencers. <laughs> so, so back to the original question, how do we do that at a macro scale? Um, I think it starts with understanding that we need to work on solidarity, you know, like that's something that I've been wondering about for a little bit now. And it's actually the reason I wanted to go, um, why I wanted to start off, you know, the, the new, let's say school year, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, starting September, uh, with the events that I'm going to be having is because, um, there's a lot of solidarity that I think we're, we're missing out. We've been focusing a lot on individuality and individual causes, mm. not realizing that, you know, nothing happens in a vacuum. We all got to do it, you know, in parallel or, yep. you know, to each other, um, that we all have our role and we have to do it simultaneously. It's not about who's first. You know, that's not the thinking that we need because it's not the thinking that's actually going to get us anywhere. And reading about other movements and how, you know, revolutions and all these things have happened in the past. um, I think, you know, we forget to look at our past and learn and learn what worked and what didn't Mm -hmm. uh, because we were obsessed. I think we're, you know, every generation does this, but we're obsessed with reinventing the wheel when we don't have to. Yep. You know, my dad always tells me that he's like, don't reinvent the wheel. It's already done. You just need to improve it. Yes. You know, like make it better, but you don't need to reinvent it. It's been done. For and sure. so I think realizing that 
it's not a competition of causes of issues or whatever it really isn't because that mentality will not get us anywhere i think it's really realizing that like it's all has to happen simultaneously because mm. all our issues are connected mm. so we as people the people who connect others you know people like you and me and, and other people um i think we just need to keep doing what we're doing because even if our you know influences let's say 12 people those 12 people reach out to other 12 people and those numbers are exponential exactly right that's exponential growth and so exactly. it makes such a bigger effect than we think it does and you know i've i've said this a lot of times to my my partner where i say look like the thing is like a lot of people want the credit they want their name recognition but the people who for example the people martin luther king didn't happen on his own he gets a lot of credit but he didn't make he didn't do it all on his own his community created him exactly they built him up there was a woman who at the at the speech saying you know talk about your dream talk about your dream <laughs> and she does she's not talked about so it's like it's a you know i'm not saying you know no one need, you know no one needs any recognition or anything of course but if our focus if our goal is to get recognition we're going about it the wrong way exactly. you know so like i don't think i'm going to be the person who changes you know things but i might influence or help the person who can change things and i that is perfectly fine by me Yep. You know, like if that could if that is my, you know, in Spanish we say granito de arena. Mm. You know, my little grain of um yeah. sand. You know, my little addition to it then that's perfect. That's that's all I need. So I think I if we it. all just, you know, were okay with that put the ego aside and said, let's you know, all of us working together, we can do this. Uh we'll make, you know, we can make big things. I love it. <laughs> and 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 even what what comes up there for me is like being a heart driven and a purpose driven person. You're focused. Well, I'm I'm assuming this, but uh -huh. uh, you're focused on creating the impact. Like like I am obsessed with the impact of how something, uh, the impact of the effort that I put in, and the impact of the energy that I put into something. So even in in business, we spun up a company in the last um can you hear me yeah okay mm -hmm. we spun up a new company over the last two months or whatever and so as we've been on the phone talking to prospects talking talking to different people uh -huh. the 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 approach has been different because i'm i'm concerned with how does this impact that last person so everybody right. else can can benefit in the in the value chain but even as we're creating you know, different relationships or different communities or connecting people. It's all uh, at the end of the day, what impact was created. And so I yeah. love, I love your focus there saying, Hey, this is, this is a team. And if you can be the catalyst of just, you know, the inspiration behind something, then, Hey, you did that. Yeah. So, um, Definitely. And I know I keep asking you so many questions with so much, you know, if, if, <laughs> if, if you want to, if you want to say, like, speak about anything specifically, let me know. And then, you know, or just bring it up. That's fine too. Okay. Um, but I can do, you know, I can do this all day. Another thing <laughs> that you do extremely well is research. And I think with the, the, the internet and just with culture and people moving away from, traditional forms of research or even knowing how to research mm -hmm. uh, I think there's an opportunity for us including myself to to learn from people that do it well like you um, mm -hmm. so for example say you're interested in something what is what's kind of your common procedure to go about learning more about uh, about any sort of topic what, what are you doing to educate yourself you read a lot I've seen the books you <laughs> You write, you listen to things. There was mm -hmm. you. You were posting things about Gandhi that you know would would really cause a lot of people to 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 get upset. <laughs> but I'm like, but she follows it up with proof. I'm like, there's. The uh, I do. There. I'm not talking out of my ass. I mean, I was like, she's not making this up. I'm like, listen. It's there. <laughs> 
Look, so, I can talk shit all day long. We're talking about pop culture. I can talk shit. But when it comes to real stuff, like politics and history and stuff, I like to follow it up with real shit. Yep. Because I don't like, you know, there's a lot of bullshit out there. And I like to, you know, I like to let it be known that I'm not just talking out of my ass. This is actually comes from me educating myself exactly. and i am more i welcome anyone giving me proof of otherwise i do yeah yep. you know so i'm not closed in it but um i definitely like to spend a lot of time researching if i really am into a topic uh when i did diaspora one for example i or any of the topics i like to do i usually do the same same things where i look at um, articles written by experts. I like to do a mix of research of like academic research, but also um, because I know the world of academics is so um, inaccessible to mm -hmm. certain communities. I like to also follow it up with, you know, who are the <clears throat> who are the <clears throat> influencers and experts on this topic. You know, yep. who are people listening to about this about these conversations? So I like to, um, I literally will Google documentaries on this. Uh, Google who are the influencers of this. I'm, I like to look, read, listen to podcasts, and then when I do read articles, I always like to interview someone, and mm. uh, who's an expert in their field. So. Or someone who's very involved in a field. So for, you know, for example, if I'm talking about uh, monogamy, I, I literally asked, you know, people like, hey, if you've had a non-monogamous relationship, I would like to speak with you. I'd like to know more about this. If it's diaspora, I'd like to know people who have, you know, from different, who come from different diasporas, mm -hmm. uh, you know, their stories. So it's not just, you know, academic research, which, like I said, can be very inaccessible to the communities that um, should be, like, who should be the ones getting a say in their own, <laughs> in yeah. their own um, uh, conversation. Um, but I like to go to the source as well, you know. So, you know, even for um, when I was researching healthcare in different areas of the world, I got to talk to Frank Adegeka, who is um, who is the director of a nonprofit um, in Nigeria. Um, sorry, not Nigeria. I was thinking of someone I'm actually interviewing next week um, mm -hmm. in Uganda. Um, Frank Adegeka, though, that's his name. He's um, based out of Uganda, and I got to speak to him. You know, and people were surprised, and they're like, "How did you get this person?" I'm like, I literally just asked them if I can speak to them. There's the worst thing they can say is no. You yeah, know, like, or not answers the worst thing that can happen so why not ask them if they're willing to speak with me you know that that's right i did the same thing to you i was nervous i don't know why <laughs> but, you know i was like i don't know she might say no and, and, and i'm a salesperson so i usually don't get nervous but it was, it right? was gas away, so um and i'm i'm joking but dead serious like for real i, t I even told you that in the message i was so serious I was so surprised um, you said, I thought you'd say no. I'm like, why would I say no? Would it? <laughs> I don't know. You know, creating the narratives, is, which is why that, that fear versus love. And, and we create yeah. these narratives in our head that, you know, this person is, is a, a certain person. But, you know, um, but it was a good thing. I just, you know, I thought you were busy. So who knows? <laughs> um, well, thank you again for being on, too. So. I know we're getting close um, to having to wrap up and I don't want to take your entire day, even though I could. Um, You're good. I have, so I, it, it turns out I have way more time than I thought. So, you know, we can talk okay. as long as you want. <laughs> cool. Cool. Two and a half, three hours. We should, Let's we should do this. Be good. I, I'll get through, <laughs> I'll get through all of my, my questions. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, so you recently also, so uh, background. So we're talking even the foundation, kind of why why this podcast started was because of what's happening in the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, last week, I think it was Sunday, I was having a, a conversation with a really good friend of mine, and he made a comment, um, you know, as an American, he's like, mm -hmm. hey, I'm just renting this, this, this time in this country. This is not all land. 
Yeah. Uh, and and as you know, there's actually the the second most uh, the second largest population of of African African Americans uh, African people of African descent in the United States, second mm-hmm. to to Brazil. Yeah. But I also see that there's this huge difference. Like when you do any research on Brazil or see their culture and how how we've been able to truly build lives and be people of color in in that country versus yeah. what's happened in the United States. I think, you know, one, it's very hard for Americans who who haven't had the opportunity to experience or learn or research um or who haven't taken the opportunity to experience, learn, or research um, mm. other people's experiences, it's it's like you know it, it it's puzzling to me and it's challenging. So I guess my question is what what is your uh, perspective on on this narrative and why it's so prevalent? You know, he's not the only person that that thinks that, and I think a lot of people feel like that. I, I know I. I have a deep-seated, you know, uh, yearning to have some sort of home. And, you know, personally, I don't feel like the United States was my home or is my home, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like Spain is my home either. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, so, so any, any opinion on that? I mean, I think being a part of a diaspora, particularly one that has been so negatively um, affected is very difficult. And, and I always say this, we're, um, race is contextual. You know, mm-hmm. we, understand, we understand that race is a concept right? We have an understanding that race, scientifically, no, it is not real. However, as a concept, it is. It's 100% real, you know. Um, But it is contextual. It is, it differs from place to place. And, um, and I think that's very important to remember. And the black diaspora in Brazil is a different story than the one, you know, the U.S. is such a particular country. Like, I think mm-hmm. it's just, it's such a specific experience, mm-hmm. you know, and, and actually, you know, one of the reasons why I, even when I started speaking English, where I would say I wasn't black, it wasn't because I didn't see myself as black. I saw myself as negra, you mm-hmm. know, say negra, but black to me was more attached to black American. Yep. And that is such a different experience that I was not, I didn't, that's, we don't have the same experience, you know, there's mm. some little things here and there, of course, but it is just not the same experience. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of stuff happening in Brazil. Brazil has a lot of, you know, Latin America as a whole, we have a lot of anti-blackness as well, but race was different there. I mean, even, and I had this conversation actually last week with a friend where we were talking about how even the roots of racism in the Americas developed in such a different way mm. in the North and in the South, because one, there were diff- it was different kinds of slavery. That's not to say, oh, it was just better or whatever, but it was a different, you know, American slavery was just so wildly something that the world had not seen before exactly you know historians say this you know it's not just like exaggeration it really is on a different level than you know slavery has always existed yes but the kind of slavery that the transatlantic slave trade saw was so beyond what you know the world has seen before and then the american slavery system which is so different than latin america's slavery system and it changes it changed the narrative. And so what we see in Latin America and what we see in Brazil, you know, like um, there's still a lot of anti-blackness. There's still a lot of issues there. I'm not definitely not going to deny that, but it is a, it almost merged with the culture in a way that in America, 
there's, I don't see, I haven't seen a lot of that merging of cultures, but it was like, okay, the Italians live here, the Irish live here, the, you know, hmm. the Chinese communities lives here. We're in a red line and keep, you know, African-Americans here. And yep. it's just, and the Mexicans here, right? So you have all these different neighborhoods of, you know, different groups of people. And there's a little mix here and there, but it's, you know, it's always purposely, you know, and there's, you know, the, I think Howard Zinn touches on this in his books about the United States. Um, but there's always a very intentional division of communities. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that really changes the course of, you know, of history um, between all other, you know, the other diasporas. It really, it's, people don't realize how, how, radically different that can make the experience when you are you have your one group here and another group there and another group there and you know america is a master at dividing communities yeah professional (laughs) the pros you know yes expert level uh and even dividing within communities yep you know i mean it's an it's a very you know, it's a tactic that clearly works for whatever purpose um, is needed, but it yeah. works, you know? Yep. And I think I know it's what they're just, doing. in Latin America, it's, it, it still exists. Like I said, we still have anti-blackness. We have a lot of issues, but it's just, or the way we talk about race, the way race relations work, it's just not the same. It really isn't. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we cannot... And the problem is like, it is so easy when we're having discussions to compare and it's like, we can't really, it's, it's easy to compare when we're having a conversation. The thing is, is that in order to really have an understanding, we can't compare, you know, we Mm. can observe the differences, but I don't think a comparison really works because I think comparing sometimes it could invalidate, you know, the work of a lot of people mm-hmm. or, or it can invalidate other people's experiences. Or, you know, if I'm compared, like I, you know, and I said this again in, in when I, a few days ago or, or on my Instagram, I was like, if you don't have a context for it and you just want to compare, you're going to be missing a whole lot of nuance. Exactly. You can't just say like, Oh, well, you know, people in Spain just eat better. Like, yeah. Okay, but there's a there's a reason. There's a, there's yeah. a whole history, culture. There's a whole socioeconomics part of that. It's not just fair to say, oh, well, you know, in Europe we just eat better. Like it's yeah. not it's not a comparison. Exactly. It, there's an observation to be made, and if you're not taking into account the socioeconomics part of it, then this is not a real conversation. This is a superficial conversation, and I think we have to remember that like superficial conversations are not the same as in-depth conversations. Yep. Um, this is the problem with fast information and memes. You know, they, they yeah. take out all the nuance out of it. It's very, it's very good for easy access, but it's very bad for our ability to really analyze um, and, and take a, and a, great, a greater look at these, at these issues. Exactly. Right. That's, that's, that made sense. <laughs> it did. It did. And yeah, and, and I think that even goes back to, you know, me trying to create a comparison there. They're just two mm-hmm. totally different situations. They're two totally different experiences. And so just like you said, it's, it's you know, you're risking really kind of, I don't know, discrediting a lot of people's work and and their experience mm-hmm. by trying to compare them. So yeah. I love it. <laughs> um and then we'll wrap up with this. So so I know you you posted a video, we don't have to wrap up, but you posted a video the other day uh specifically speaking to the allies. Um on the, on IG. You remember this video? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, so there's a couple of, couple of things in the conversations that I've been having and, mm-hmm. and because my experience has been different, I've been very cautious at, you know, not listening to the news and, and watching people's emotions go up and down. We've yeah. arrived at the point that we all knew was coming and, yeah. and it's like, okay, 
So now that um, the allies have stopped posting, the the, the hype is worn off. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, among Black lives are back to being the normal level of of mattering. Uh-huh. Uh, back to back to normal. Uh-huh. My my question has been for everybody on on the show is like, okay, now what do we do? You know, this was the point I was excited to get to because uh-huh. now this is where the work starts. Everyone yeah. that created a conversation that was posting. You know, mm-hmm. you've been doing it for years. Other people have been having these conversations for years. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the people that jumped on the bandwagon are now gone, you know? Mm-hmm. And and that progress that... Uh, progress, yes. Uh, that was potentially made during the last few months or the awareness that was created. I don't know about progress. It's hard to measure. Uh <laughs> the awareness that was created is starting to fade away. Mm-hmm. Um, for the people that are actually interested in continuing to educate themselves, continuing to participate in building community, uh, continuing to seek a solution for what's happening in the States and then what's happening globally, you know, mm-hmm. race relations with communities. Do you have any suggestions as to, you know, what people can be doing to, to now this is not the popular thing on the news. What can people Mm -hmm. be doing to continue to, to further the mission? Well, I think, like you said, this is when the actual work starts. We've done the performative part, you know, we've done hashtags posted, you know, the curated images and the, Um, curated posts we've done this but now the real work does start which is actually educating ourselves on a level that means and Instagram posts cannot educate you Hmm. and this is something that I know is hard for people because it's so much easier to read something on Instagram even in you know like as much information as we want to give on Instagram we're still very limited you know, and I think people need to realize that education cannot come from just pretty texts Hmm. and, you know, perfectly curated content. Yep. You know, education, unfortunately, is, is more than that. Like, now is the time to actually do the work and you know i i don't know that everyone has you know stopped doing their part maybe we're just not seeing it you know like i that's that's the problem with social media is that there's a lot of work that goes behind you know um behind you know the camera that we don't that is not in front of the camera and we don't see it Mm -hmm. so i mean hopefully you know people might have stopped posting as much of these images or whatever but they're doing the work behind the camera um i mean i'm hoping i'm trying to be positive (laughs) but i think this is the moment to one actually make the effort to educate ourselves on what the root causes are Mm. you know and not just put a band-aid it's not about you know like oh we're just gonna take gone off gone with the wind off like how does that help anyone (laughs) you know (laughs) Like that's yep. not helping anyone. No one's asking that. No one, no one asked for it. Don't give people something they didn't ask for. You know, is they're easy, quick fix. But so definitely continuing to educate ourselves. And again, like not on social media. Don't try to educate yourself on social media. Social media is for awareness. That's right. Not education. There's a that's difference. Right. You know, you learn about something. Um, you learn about a topic, you're interested in it, and then you follow it up with actual research. That's that, right. you know, is, you know, when people say like, oh, I read this article, that blah, blah, blah. I'm like, did you read an article? Or did you read a post? Yeah. That's not, that's, that's not the same thing. It's and not the same the thing. Yeah. And, and what platform was it on? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, oh, I, I, I read on Instagram that blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yes, there's a lot of things on Instagram. <laughs> Who's writing them? But, you know, and that's not to, again, discredit anyone who doesn't have access to other things, but it needs to, we, we need to diversify our, you know, information pool. 
Mm-hmm. It can't just come from Instagram. It can't just be from TikTok. It can't just, you know, I appreciate that that is because that is a part of it. And I, I myself have learned so much from social media, but it needs to be followed up. And secondly, like I said, remembering that this is, you know, there needs to be solidarity across the causes, you know, in the same way that we're talking about Black Lives Matter, and then we're being more specific to say Black trans lives matter, Black queer lives matter. Why is that? There's an intersectionality there, and that Mm -hmm. needs to be addressed, and that needs to, and we need to remember that, like, oh, shit, like, yes, there's also, it goes deeper than that. And, you know, um, people who are fighting for, you know, economic reform, that also has to do with the well-being of people, of, of, of Black lives. Why? Because if you are not, if you can't afford food for your family, then you're not worried about, like, you, exactly. or, or you're not, you can't concerned, be concerned yeah. with other stuff. Because you're worried about surviving. And if people, and this is why I think a lot of, you know, and I don't mean to sound like an extremist, but like if, if, if a government or someone is ensuring that people are only focused on survival, Hmm. then what you're doing is knowing that you can get away with so much more because that person is just concerned about making through another week or another paycheck, Hmm. you know? And that's something that I've seen a lot. You know, I see it here in Spain. I see it in the States. I've seen it in Canada. Like, if you keep people, you know, just hungry enough Hmm. that they'll keep working, you know, but, you know, still, you know, they're scraping, you know, they're not, they're not looking up. They're not looking up at seeing like what, what is happening or what is causing this problem? Because if I'm hungry, I'm not thinking what is causing my hunger? I'm thinking I need to eat. Exactly. You know, and, and so, by any means necessary. So by any means necessary, a hundred percent. So I mm. think remembering that all of these causes are related to one another, and you know, seeing all of a sudden, um, you know, like Terry Crews's, you know, whole yeah. thing of like. Well, 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 uh, you know, his whole, oh my God, that was so, I was like, sir, please, you know, grownups are talking here. Sir, <laughs> Just chill, like, chill, go sit down. Chill, go sit down. <laughs> you know, it was refreshing. He's like, you're just holding conversation back. Um, but it's so funny to me because if he was someone who was educated enough, he could have mm. seen that there is a conversation to be had about how we, it is not a singular issue. No, it's not, sir. But you're go- you're saying the wrong things. That's the problem. Exactly. You know, because no, it shouldn't be a singular issue because nothing is a singular issue. But he obviously clearly did not have those intentions. You know, his intentions mm-hmm. was like, let's be nicer to white people. And I'm like, that's not the problem. Yep. <laughs> you know, the problem is not about being nicer to white people. The problem is like, you know, white people realizing that you know black lives matter also positively actually affects Affects them because it has in the same way that feminism positively affects men you know because all of these things are connected like we're all trying to just make it a better place for all of us to be in there is enough for all of us instead of this mentality of individualism and being like no like this is for me and there's not enough for me so why would i want anyone up here with me which is such a bizarre mentality to me and there's plenty like the the world is plentiful you know i agree it is and in you know the the universe has given us enough and more yes but but we need to realize that and so i think you know remembering that this needs to be a solidarity effort and the reason actually why i wanted to go into a bit of modern Spanish history with Gabs Away was because for me, one of the most beautiful acts of solidarity that, you know, I haven't personally witnessed, but I, that I've, that I've read about was the international brigades. Mm. And if you're not, are you familiar with the international brigades? No, ma'am, but I will do my research. <laughs> well, I will. So just to briefly kind of re-explain what I was saying is um, during the Spanish civil war, 1936 to 1939, um, 
we were fighting, Spain, you know, was fighting against Franco's regime, which is a fascist nationalist regime. They had help from the Nazi party, Mussolini's party. Um, and so we, you know, the, the Republican side, which Republican means that something different <laughs> in Spain. For anyone in America exactly. listening, Republican here is the left because it's the fight for a republic, which is what's, you know, that they were fighting for a republic, a democracy, um, you know, like the, um, the Greeks intended it to be, Republica. Um, uh, people from all over the world, including African-Americans, Irish, Chinese people, Mexicans from all over the world came to Spain to help the, the Republican army fight off fascism. And that is so beautiful to me, the fact that all these different groups of people, you know, and this, and we saw a lot on this, we saw a lot of this in, in, in World War II where free people, and I'm not talking about, you know, people who were forced into it because, you know, the French like to forget that they actually, you know, kidnapped uh, people from their French colonies in Africa to fight for them. But yeah. I'm talking about, yeah, I'm talking about free, willing people that came to Spain in aid of democracy. Wow. And that is one of the most beautiful things that I've ever, you know, read about because it really was like this, th because they understood the gravity of if it happens there, it can happen here. And, you know, the very famous, you know, um, saying, you know, you know, oppression anywhere is oppression everywhere, you know, injustice mm -hmm. in one place is injustice everywhere. And I think we've kind of lost that where it's like, no, there's can't, there can't be enough resources for all our causes. We each need to find, find our own. And I do agree that, you know, we have, you know, there's people who focus on certain causes, but at the same time, realizing that it has to be simultaneous and um reading Dolores Ibarruris which is a very who was a very famous Spanish uh Republican woman who fought for you know um who fought against Franco um her letter like I really encourage people to read it's a very short um it's a very short speech but she taught she's it's uh, the letter um saying farewell to the international brigades is one of the most beautiful speeches I've ever read. And it is such a beautiful show of world, like global solidarity. And, you know, um, and back to answering your questions, yes, we have to educate ourselves, but remembering that that solidarity is really what's going to get us out of this mm -hmm. is so vitally important because if we're not fighting anti-blackness, if we're not fighting anti-Semitism, if we're not fighting transphobia, then what are we doing this for? Exactly. You know, and it all Nothing. needs to happen at the same time. I'm clapping. I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> that, that, <sighs> I, I, I think that's just the perfect way to even, even wrap all of this up. Is, is is putting that into perspective because you know even through us connecting and and through what you're doing what i'm doing what our community does and how we're we're trying to bring people together it's all about the fight to help people find more love and and mm -hmm. and be be loved and be more authentically loved you know and so yeah. it's like it's it's all of us fighting together um, and that's that's you know that's just one of the the, the reasons I wanted to to have you on I, I see you as <laughs> as a leader and a, a sergeant and whoever the top person <laughs> is I don't know I don't I don't even know the rankings but you know the, the the general at the top the person at the top that's leading the charge and, and coming up with the strategy on how we go to war and and helping educate people and train people on how to do that. So, um, Gabriela, where can we find you? What's your website? How do people get in touch? <laughs> um, the best way to find me is definitely through my Instagram at Gabs Away. 
And I do have the website, gabzoe.com, where I post um, usually interviews that I've done with people um, and the links to my upcoming, to upcoming events. Uh, the mid to end of August, I'll be posting my September events. I'll, ha- I'll have, be having a virtual event, so that will be for anyone available uh, anyone with internet access nice. and then a local event, which will be for people living in, in Barcelona. So awesome. um, stay tuned for that. <laughs> and, and if I don't live in Barcelona and still want to come, am I invited or I, I can't go? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're here for when, when it's <laughs> happening, of course, you are more than invited. You don't even awesome. got to request an invitation. You have an open okay, invite cool. to any and all events. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again so much. I, I literally just can't tell you how much it means for to me for you to be on the show and, and you um, to just give us your energy and your time and, and your thoughts. You know, I, I really respect exactly uh, what you're doing and what you've created and how you've been able to help people seek more knowledge, including myself. And that's <laughs> one of the biggest the biggest things that, you know, I've gotten. In, in a sense of value from you from following mm-hmm. you is discovering uh different concepts discovering different topics and and then going out and researching some of these things on my own and so mm-hmm. thank you for encouraging us to do that and um and i hope to have you on again in the future yeah well thank you so much for inviting me and and seeing value in in what i'm trying to do and thank you for what you're doing because we need more more people like you who are connecting people and getting other people to be aware. Awesome. And so and positive people like you. Yeah. Like you know. that is so important. I love your voice. I love the positivity in it. It's, it's so nice and refreshing. <laughs> Sometimes I Good. think, my God, can we just <laughs> can we just have one day <laughs> without you got complaints? It. <laughs> And that's that that that's literally literally my concept. Like it, 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 I could be done tomorrow. So literally every every day, I'm just excited to to you know to wake up. It's gratitude. I live, live gratitude. By my God, please. That is that is absolutely my mantra. And I just I wish more of us remember that. You know? We get it. We get it. <laughs> thank you well, so much. Yes, and thank you as well. We'll talk soon. Of course. Have a great day. You too. (laughs) Bye.